It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Coming to you from the heart of Silicon Valley, this is CUDA Confidential, the official podcast of the San Jose Barracuda, AHL affiliate of the San Jose Sharks. Now, here's your host, Nick Nolenberger. Hello, Barracuda fans, and welcome to another edition of CUDA Confidential. I'm Nick Nolenberger. In this episode, we'll recap the last three games with highlights, and we'll chat with AHL official Kirsten Welsh. After just one win in the month of February, the Barracuda have now picked up points in all four games to start the month of March. And have won back-to-back after a 4-3 overtime win against the Pacific Division's point leader in the Ontario Reign. The Barracuda had a full week off and returned back to the ice on March 2nd against the Bakersfield Condors. In that game, they won by a final score of 5-3. They tried to make it back-to-back wins on Saturday on the road against the AHL's top team, the Stockton Heat. In the first period, Stockton would jump out to a 1-0 lead as Luke Philp lit the lamp with his 17th of the year. Rimmed up high into the point. DeSimone works around Nick Merkley. Throw towards the net. They score. Merkley was pressuring D. Simone. He was able to navigate around him, get a shot in on net. We'll see who's going to be credited with the goal. Then later in the opening frame, Walker Dewar would give Stockton a 2-0 lead with his sixth of the season. High and over the target. Walker Dewar's the one who pulled the trigger and out centered in front. They score. Dewar ends up getting it back on his stick from below the hashes and he beats Alexei Melnichuk. Down by a pair heading into the second period, the Barracuda would cut into Stockton's lead as Sasha Shomolevsky would reach double digits with his 10th of the season at 10.04. And playing a little bit on their heels, but they've stopped the bleeding here in the second period and they've given themselves a little hope. Here comes Hamlet down the wing, takes a one, centers in front, they score! Shomolevsky beats Wolf and the Barracuda have cut the lead in half. Late in the second period at 17.03, the Heat would go back up by two as Emilio Peterson would find the net for the fifth time this season. It's a big open ice hit on the Bucci Kata. Heat player in the crosshairs back the other way and the Heat score. Um, Neil Peterson broken stick scores. A big open ice hit on to Bucci. Got a Heat player in his crosshairs. Unfortunately, it leads to a two-on-one. Peterson, despite his stick breaking, still scores. Entering the third period down by two, the Barracuda would mount their comeback. At 2.55, Dylan Hamelick would notch his second of the season. Gidazov up the wall for Topping. Topping will guide one through center. Now Hamelick, using his long, rangy stride, will swing one towards the target. Now Kenyazov. Big pull scores! Dylan Havlick. He's got a couple of points. And what a feed and vision by Kenyazov. A couple of rookies connect. And the lead is cut down to one. 
then at 14-15, down 3-2, John Leonard would carry the puck up ice on non-man rush and snap one pass Dustin Wolf to tie the score up at 3-3 at 14-15 for Leonard, his 13th of the year. Matt Phillips down that right wing into the ozone. Solovion tried to pull the trigger, intercepted. Got to be a three-on-one for the Barracuda. Leonard down the left wing side, works in, shoots, he scores! John Leonard on a three-on-one takes it himself and beats Dustin Wolf. With the Barracuda earning a point, the game would go to overtime. And just 52 seconds into the extra session, Stockton's Yuso Valamaki would seal the overtime win with his second in his many games. By Wolf. Now he plays it up. Beistas Wolf scooped up and carried through center. Here comes Matt Phillips into the offensive zone. Phillips takes it to the net. Now pulls away from traffic. Spots him in. Shoot score. The Barracuda would turn right back around on Sunday and welcome in the Tucson Roadrunners in a pivotal matchup between two clubs fighting for the final playoff spot in the Pacific Division. At 3.42 of the first period, Michael Carconi got things started for the Roadrunners with his 23rd of the season. As it's rolled along by Dylan Hamlick and back into the Tucson end. Carconi had a great year in Tucson and he was a free agent this year. The Coyotes signed him so he stays in the old Pueblo. Carconi works in, shoots and scores. Off the post and in, speak of the devil. But later in the first, John Leonard who had scored on Saturday would find the back of the net once again for his 14th of the year at 740 of the first. Reaching out for Peterson. Now control Blickfeld. Give it back. Leonard shot on target. Kicked aside. Comes back to Leonard. Works to the backhand. He scores! At 9.23 of the second period, while on the power play, Lane Peterson would find the back of the net first first in a Barracuda sweater. Right wing side. Shot. Peterson hit the post. Back to the point. Chichek gives it along. Peterson, near side for John Leonard. Peterson, far side, he scores! The Roadrunners would manage to tie the game up in the third as Tyson Empey would tip one through at 226. But less than three minutes later, Nick Merkley would give the Barracuda back their lead at 3-2. Merkley's 10th of the season. We have not seen Steen Pashtuk in this game since he left back in the second period following that fight with Imama. Hamlet's going to scoop up a loose puck. Leaves it for a trailing Nick Merkley! He scores! Then back on the power play, Joachim Blickfeld would give the Barracuda a bit of insurance with his 17th of the season. I believe it was, it was hard to pick up the numbers. Here's a chance for the Barracuda. It's behind Kozmatov. They score! It's Blickfeld! It's a power play goal. The Barracuda have a bit of cushion. That puck went up. Kozmatov down his back and in. Up by two, John Leonard would score again, this time at 1656 to give the Barracuda a 5-2 lead. Here come the Cuda, two on one. Into the offensive zone, Leonard scores! Leonard's up to 15 goals on the year. He's got his second of the night, four goals over his last three games. With less than a minute to go, Leonard would seal the victory and seal the hat trick with his 16th of the season as he carried up ice and beat Ivan Prozvatov through the five hole. 
And now John Leonard trying to win a foot race to a block. He'll get to it. Hardy with two. Works in with the opportunity for the hat trick. He scores! With the victory, the Barracuda would move within two points of the Roadrunners for the eighth spot in the AHL's Pacific Division. After Sunday's win, the Barracuda would hit the road for one game on Wednesday night against the Ontario Reign. The Barracuda entering Wednesday had dropped all four prior meetings against the LA Kings affiliate and had given up 15 combined goals in two games inside the Toyota Arena. After a scoreless first period, Brayden Burke would get things started for Ontario at 2.30 of the second period. Ooh, big open ice hit. Raska making a change. Ran into Case to stool. Now near side tying and back post. They score. Barracuda got spread out. And Braden Burke gets the pass from TJ Tynan. But at the six-minute mark, while on the power play, Jasper Weatherby would tie the score up with his first in the AHL. Kinyazov quickly back on it. He'll try to take advantage of that Ontario change. Nifty move there by Leonard, giving along. Weatherby shoots! He scores! But with less than a minute to go in the second period, Martin Furk would wire in his 31st of the season and his 13th on the power play to give Ontario back its lead. This all could be a shorthanded chance for Peterson. He works his way in, tried to get the shot off, but a back check by Tynan didn't allow him to get much of an opportunity off. Peterson at the end of a shift did not much left in the tank either. Under a minute to go down the second. Here's a chance for Furk scores. Martin Furk. After a late second period penalty, the Barracuda would begin the third on the manpower advantage. And once again, it was Weatherby who would find the back of the net. Pressure. Hands off for Nick Merck. Bumped back to the point for Chichek. Chichek shot. Tip drew. They score. A shot from the left side by Chichek finds its way through a seam. With the game tied at 2-2, Lane Peterson would give the Barracuda their first lead in the night again on the power play. Weatherby down the right wing side. Already a couple of goals. Skates it below the end line. Up the wall for Nick Merkley just to deflect the pass. Now poke to the point. Chichek handed off near side. Merkley skates it down the left side. Right wing shot. Peterson, he scores! At 16.42, Ontario would find a way to tie it up, though. Sam Figimo, his 19th of the season. Shot will be caromed into the corner. John Leonard gets to it first, lost it back to center. Barrett could have make a change. Alt's got to get over to the wing in time. Kapari into the offensive zone. Shot blocked to the stick of Figimo. He scored. Oh, goodness gracious. Figimo had the puck come straight to him, and he threads one under the left arm of Melvichu. You can't blame him for not coming up with a save. An unfortunate bounce the second for two of his bounce for the rain tonight. So the game would go to overtime. The Barracuda had already earned a point, but were looking for their first win against the Ontario Reign and also looking for their first overtime win on the year. At 1-13, Sasha Shomolevsky would carry it down the left wing and beat Matt Malalta to secure the 4-3 overtime victory. Barracuda have earned points in four straight for the first time this season. They're trying to make it back-to-back wins and trying to pick up their first win against the Reign this season. This is the first time they've earned a point against Ontario. Shemolevsky will carry it up and out of his own zone. Turns on the Jets down the wing. Shadowing him is Pagima. Steps back on a cutback move. He scores! Shemolevsky! 
off the goaltender Valenta and trickles past the goal line. And the Barracuda win it in overtime. Sasha Shomolevsky, one minute and 13 seconds into the extra session. With the win, the Barracuda have now picked up points in all four games in the month of March and are just two points behind the San Diego goals for the final playoff spot in the Pacific Division. When we come back, AHL official Kirsten Welsh will join us. This is Cuda Confidential. Future NHL stars are made in San Jose with the Barracuda. Back up, BL. One-timer! Scores! AHL affiliate of the San Jose Sharks. And you can be part of every moment of this 2022-23 season. Jeff BL has his first of the season. It comes on the power play. And the Barracuda have their first lead of the hockey game. Season tickets are on sale now. To see this family-friendly experience, just visit sjbarracuda.com slash pricing. Shoot and score! first of the year and a fist pump. It's everything Sharks hockey in one place. The crowd is on its feet and check out the Sharks bench. They're into it too. It's the Sharks Audio Network. A 24-7 streaming audio platform dedicated to Sharks hockey and the destination to listen to Sharks games. You can find the Sharks Audio Network on the Sharks Plus SAP Center app presented by Western Digital and at sjsharks.com slash listen. Download the app today to listen to Sharks hockey plus unique Sharks content all day long on the Sharks Audio Network. The San Jose Sharks Audio Network is on 24 hours a day. Whether you're in the office or on the go, make sure that you download the Sharks SAP Center app presented by Western Digital and hit listen anytime. You can also find us on your computer by going to sjsharks.com slash listen. If it's a game broadcast, breaking news, or a player feature, the place to find it is right here on the San Jose Sharks Audio Network. Now, back to the action. Barracuda Hockey continues now. Kirsten Welsh is our guest. Kirsten, first of all, thank you so much for the time. How are things going? Yeah, yeah, things have been crazy. Um, It's been an insane year, but I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, I've had insane opportunities. Um, Just kind of my first year fishing in the AHL first year fishing in the OHL so it's uh it's been a super fun fun year but I'm just trying to take it in one day at a time <laughs> well you're kind enough to join us before you're about to go onto the ice in about 20 minutes so we're gonna have to kind of hurry up with this interview you're very very busy you've got a full-time job plus you're officiating games in the AHL and the OHL as you mentioned so how are you balancing it all how do you fit things in your schedule and continue to try to pursue this dream that is now officiating yeah, yeah, it's uh, it definitely takes a lot of organization and um, just kind of knowing your schedule like day to day. I have like a little planner that helps a lot. But um, yeah, honestly, I mean, it, it's it's not really that foreign to me because I mean, I grew up playing hockey. So my weekends were filled with traveling and going to rinks and living in rinks. And that's what I'm still doing. So it's just uh, yeah, it's just kind of like managing it. I'm used to it. I love it. It's, it's not like I, I don't I don't kind of consider it work because I get to keep myself in the game. So um, it's honestly just a great opportunity to be able to strap up the skates and get out there. Well, you mentioned you played. You played Division One hockey at Robert Morris. And we'll go into that a little bit. But uh, yes. not only are you officiating in the OHL, you're officiating in the AHL. And you said some history earlier this year. You were the first female official to work a game in the Ontario League. And you're one of 10 officials hired this year by the AHL to work in the American Hockey League. Have you had enough time to kind of digest what has transpired over the last six months for you? Or are you just kind of 
flying by the seat of your pants at this point. Maybe once you hit the off season, you can kind of take it all in. <laughs> yeah, honestly, um, I think option number two there was kind of more of how I've more realistically kind of been handling it. Um, I didn't really know like the weight uh, behind, you know, me getting these opportunities until I've like actually kind of saw the the impact of it across the hockey community. And then it's been, uh, like I said before, it's been crazy. Like it's been an insane year, like let alone, you know, coming back from COVID and actually having a season, but just being like put on so many assignments and having the opportunities I've had. It's just, it's been a lot to wrap my head around. But um, again, I'm just trying to take it like day by day and be like a sponge. Cause it's, it's, I'm going to look back at this and be like, wow, like you got, you had a really great year. So. <laughs> so who have you been your officiating mentors? Who have you looked up to? Who have you uh, picked uh, their brains over, over the last couple of years as you have really taken this on since fish- finishing up your, your hockey career? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, when I first started officiating, I didn't really like know anyone like really in the area. I had a couple people like Furman South, uh, Brandon Bladina, who are actually went to RMU. They, they're RMU graduates and did the whole roughing route. Um, I, I reached out to them and they kind of helped me. Um, but in terms of mentors, um, I've really looked up to Kendall Hanley. She's one of the other female officials that have, uh, that got hired this year um, as a lines person. And she's uh she's just really you know one of the best of the best uh, she went she just came back from the olympics like she's she's just really somebody that i try and um, look up to uh, on the women's side of things on the men's side i mean there's a numerous amount of officials that i could name off i mean some of the guys that are are currently you know contracted um there's uh you know mitch hunt um caleb apperson um just like some linesmen that have really helped me develop myself um and who i try and like learn off of you know every day i can that I work with them. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been, I mean, like I said, it's been a whirlwind and there's a, a ton of names I could name, but um, definitely Kendall, just because, you know, she's just kind of somebody who is in my position, who, who's, who's been around, you know, for, for a long time and who's been doing this. And she's actually just really helped me, you know, come up the ranks and, and kind of help guide me of what to do and, and where to be. So. I know you attended the exposure combine, also the 2020 mentorship program, which is kind of guided to, yeah. to facilitate women into officiating. How did that all yeah. come to be? And when did you really realize that this is something that you were interested in and this could be a future endeavor for you? Yeah. Yeah. So the, the mentorship program was actually phenomenal. I think that happened last summer. I think it was last, last year around this time, maybe that they first started like to like implement it. And, uh, yeah, being on that call, I mean, we had like resources such as like Wes McCauley, um, you know, Kelly Sutherland, like these guys who are very successful referees who are, you know, coming in to answer questions about what we have to expect. And that was kind of cool to get like a, a feel, of, you know, what we what we were to expect from, you know, players and coming up as new referees, you know, especially skating with men, like professional men. Um, it's just kind of like what to expect. And that was really good to kind of just hear other girls and like what what their thoughts are about the whole process and how to kind of it doesn't didn't make you feel so like um isolated but um no it's been it's honestly been insane um just like I said just kind of breaking into this this league and and having the support that I've had throughout like from the NHL you know from like the the coaches from the players like it's it's everyone like everyone's been so welcoming and uh I really couldn't have asked for any like a better way to to break through (laughs) We're talking to Kirsten Welsh. She's one of 10 female officials hired by the American Hockey League this past offseason. You're an Ontario native, but you played college hockey in the States at Robert yes. Morris, as we alluded to. I want to go way back when it first started. When did you first lace up the skates? When did the passion for hockey come to be? Oh, 
oh, like before I knew how to walk. <laughs> um, I grew up in like uh, Southern Ontario and I just, it's, I mean, it's a hockey town. Everyone there is, you're either playing hockey or, or you know, snowmobiling or, you know, something to do with winter. So it's, uh, I don't know, my dad had a, had a big interest in hockey and he played when he was a kid. So when I was, I was, you know, a, a kid, I had two older siblings who didn't really take to sports. So when I came along, he kind of laced up the skates and it was like, right away I just loved it um and I just yeah I mean I had my childhood playing up in like the best hockey around like I I believe you know Southern Ontario is like uh one of the best like I mean the PWHL it's like a league um that you play in like while you're in high school kind of before college and I believe that's honestly a great league to play in as, as a female just because you get a lot of like vision or not vision but you get a lot of um development and you're you're seen a lot because you go to these tournaments you get scouted you know so um being able to you know showcase my skills at tournaments like that and you know I, I was in out of like the national team program at uh, U18 and um you know you I think it's the development team too just like trying I never actually made it but I was like just to be you know around those girls and like try um just to kind of see where where like just how good the girls are in Canada to be able to play with them and develop my skills like it was it was truly incredible but um, I don't even know where I was going with that. Where were we even going with that question? Sorry, I just about when it all began for you, and obviously, you <laughs> oh, have yeah. a, a huge passion yeah. for the sport, as we all do, and that's yeah. why you're in the sport. But as an yes. official, and for young girls who are, who are trying to carve their path, whether playing or, or officiating, and for a lot of them yeah. like yourself, it's probably playing first and then officiating maybe in the future. Like, what would a message yeah. be to those girls who who are, love the sport as much as you and and want to find a niche in the sport? Honestly, just like if you love it, then like do like don't ever give up. Like that's my thing. It's like don't be afraid to try new things. And like if like if you're gonna be playing hockey, like if you really love it, then like go hard at it. Like if you're gonna go do something, like jump in with both feet. Like I always, you know, loved hockey. I loved working hard. I loved getting better. And that passion, you know, I mean, the community around hockey, like having teammates and going to, you know doing things that not just hockey games, but like having those relationships, like they really built me into the person I am today. And I just, if you're like a little girl watching this, just like, don't be afraid to like, um, give it 100% because I mean, I didn't know I was going to become a referee. Like I had no plans to do that, but because of my, you know, my work ethic through college and my skating, you know, growing up and how, how many hours I put into that. I mean, it obviously translated over to, to something that, you know, they liked the, the the combine so it's like don't ever give up on something you love it's just if you if you really have a passion for it keep going and don't be afraid to try something new so where do you see yourself in five to ten years do you see yourself continuing to grow as an official maybe becoming a referee and, and eventually i think as many would would say in the in the american league we're all trying to get to the nhl is that something that you hope you can uh, accomplish as you continue along in your career Honestly, yeah, I just like what I'm my goal right now is just to get like better every single day. Um, like I said, like five years ago, if you asked me if I wanted to become a, like a referee or even like continue hockey, like I wouldn't know the answer just because like, it's so hard to tell. Like, I don't know, like what I'm, you know, where I'm going to be in five years. But I mean, I hope it is in hockey and whether that's, you know, an ambassador for the future generations, whether that's, you know, somebody to kind of like help guide girls to like, have an option for postgraduates because they're I mean, just being a like, a female in sports in this day and age is it's tough because you you want to you know you have to work a full-time job and you also want to like keep up with the game but sometimes you know your options are limited based on like what you can what you can do where you're at what location you're in you know how much you can afford so 
um yeah it's just kind of like a, a tough choice to make but I think the more we get this you know talked about the more we get this out there that there are options to like do like become an official or there are, are options to like play in a professional women's league like that's the kind of that's the goal that we're, we're all striving for is just to create um like a livable solution like a, a a solution where you can afford to to play professionally and be be paid for it you know or you know pick a career a profession and be able to be supported and not have to do two, you know two careers at once it would be nice <laughs> yeah <laughs> <You know? laughs> absolutely well i think you carving the path here and you being one of a handful of pioneers um, women in the sport. I think this is only the the first chapter of many in, in the history of how this is going to go. So um, certainly exciting so. times. I want to ask you a question. You're now on ice level. Yeah. You're you're in the American Hockey League. This is the second best league in the world. What has been the biggest kind of eye opener to you now that you're at ice level, right in the mix, right in the middle of the action? Honestly, it's pretty impressive. Just like um, the guys and how fast they are and how little I have to get out of the way. Like that's, that's one of the things that I didn't really realize like as a player growing up, you know, I just always thought the refs were in the way, but like, um, these guys are just, they're so talented. They're so fast. Like as a, as an official, as a lines person, you know, you don't really like, it's actually, if you skate towards them, they are more likely to go around you, whether if you like skate, you know, away from them, which is funny, but, um, no, it's just the skill level and like the speed is like, it's, uh, it's really incredible just to be like, you know, have front seats that, and also the play, I mean, they're not so much fighting as there is, you know, in back in the day, but I mean, I, it's just, it's really, really fun to be a part of that and, you know, be able to strap the skates on it and go do this for, for work. You know, it's just, it's incredible. So I wouldn't have it, wouldn't have it any other way. That's for sure. <laughs> well, you're just a couple of years removed from your playing career. What was the biggest adjustment from going from a player to an official where you are trying to avoid the puck all of a sudden when as a player, you're trying to go retrieve the yeah. puck or try to get the puck. So how has that adjustment yeah. been for you? Yeah, it's been tricky. Um, it's just kind of like you're not really watching the puck. Um, I mean, I, as a linesman, you want to obviously watch it for like offsides and stuff and icings. But like you just really kind of pay attention to like the play as a whole. And like you have a different perspective of the things you're paying attention to. And as a player, it's just like you're going out there to compete and like try and score a goal and do the best. Like as a, it's just different as a ref. Like you're just trying to like make the game fair like you're serving the game you're not so much like serving like you're not trying to like take something out of it you're not trying to like get anywhere you're just trying to like make the game fair you know do your job go out there and like not be recognized and like as a player you're doing the opposite so like that perspective was a little different but um I, I'm like I said it's just I I never would have thought I, I would become a ref I never would have thought I liked it but again I just that's my message just like players like come try out like come try it like if you don't have an option for like playing and you want to stay in the game come try repping like it's it's i never thought i'd like it and here i am like it's just there's so many opportunities for it and, um i just i really want people to, to know that it's like it's actually kind of fun <laughs> that'll do it for this episode of cuda confidential a big thank you to kirsten welsh and a reminder the barracuda are back on the ice on friday night at the sap center to take on the Stockton Heat, the first game of a home and road. Puck drop is scheduled for 7 o'clock on Friday. You can listen to our pregame broadcast coverage starting at 6.30 on the Sharks Audio Network. And of course, you can watch on AHLTV.com. That's going to do it for this episode of Cuda Confidential. I'm Nick Nolenberger saying thanks for listening and so long until next time.
Future NHL stars are made in San Jose with the Barracuda. Big back off the one-timer! Score! AHL affiliate of the San Jose Sharks. And you can be part of every moment of this 2022-23 season. Jeff Fiel has his first of the season. It comes on the power play. And the Barracuda have their first lead of the hockey game. Season tickets are on sale now. To see this family-friendly experience, just visit sjbarracuda.com slash pricing. Shoot and score! his first of the year and a fist pump. It's everything Sharks hockey in one place. The crowd is on its feet and check out the Sharks bench. They're into it too. It's the Sharks Audio Network. A 24-7 streaming audio platform dedicated to Sharks hockey and the destination to listen to Sharks games. You can find the Sharks Audio Network on the Sharks Plus SAP Center app presented by Western Digital and at sjsharks.com slash listen. Download the app today to listen to Sharks hockey plus unique Sharks content all day long on the Sharks Audio Network. Unlock an easier way to schedule your team of all-star employees. No spreadsheets. No hassle when team members want to swap shifts. And fast substitutions when staff call out sick. With Deputy, it's simple and lightning fast to create and share employee schedules. It's how over 250,000 workplaces are making life easier. From restaurants to retailers, to hotels and healthcare clinics. Ready to up your scheduling game? Go to deputy.com forward slash sharks. The Hilton San Jose is the preferred hotel of the San Jose Sharks and SAP Center in San Jose. Experience something new. Close to home or from across the world, the Hilton San Jose is there for you with memorable offers and experiences. Enjoy the brand new guest rooms with luxurious Waldorf Astoria beds and upgraded amenities. We're committed to creating a safe and relaxing experience, including delivering an even cleaner stay from check-in to check-out. Visit sanjose.hilton.com now to make your reservation. We are Hilton. We are hospitality.